Hello, gentle listeners. We wanted to hold on. Something's wrong. Yeah, that's better. Hey, and welcome to this episode of the Dear World Love History Podcast, where the history is wacky, and so are we. You're hanging out with the outlandish historians, Adrian and Renee. So sit back, relax, maybe take some notes. She's kidding. And enjoy this crazy time travel thing we do. Hello, and welcome to another bonus episode of the Dear World Love History Podcast. This is bonus episode two of our What Does History Mean? chats, and today we're joined by the wonderful Elise, who is a history blogger. Her incredible website can be found at secondglancehistory.com. You can follow her and the blog on Twitter at Two Glance History. That's the number two for Two Glance History. And on Facebook at Second Glance History. As always, you will find all of this info in the episode notes and show notes. Definitely check out Second Glance History. The blog is such a historical whirlwind of information and quotes and images. So, so well done. All right, guys, let's jump right on in. My name is Elise, and I'm a lifelong Chicagoan. I'm a freelance writer by day, and by night I work on my history blog, which is called Second Glance History. Uh, my, my tagline for the blog is that it seeks to uncover the people and stories forgotten by history and give them another read through a modern lens. Um, I don't focus on just one particular place or era because I'm like, too interested in too many things, and that would be way too difficult. Um, but I uh, tend to blog about the 19th and 20th centuries in the U.S. and U.K. just because sources are easily accessible. Um, but I'm definitely trying to broaden my scope. And um, these days I'm looking for newspapers, memoirs, letters, diaries, and any other primary sources that speak to the stories that have been left off the front page of history. Your website is fantastic, by the way. I love it. Oh, I love the layout you. and everything. I appreciate that. Thank you. So, and your pictures. Sorry, I'm also currently on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the time so, I spend finding those pictures. Do you spend a lot of time? Yeah, more than I should, I think. Um, the <laughs> Library of Congress has a really helpful website. You know, newspapers have great pictures, but yeah, I want them to sort of perfectly uh, complement whatever the story is. And uh, yeah, I, I think I'm the only one who cares to the, that degree. So I really should spend a little less time. But no, Honestly, you're fine because I use, um, Renee, I use the Library of Congress all the time to get photos for our show notes. So it's like you can just get lost in like their depth of like resources just looking for photos because it's just amazing. Oh, it's such a rabbit hole. Uh-huh. And yeah, the things you discover and then you go, oh, I want to you know, learn a little bit more about that. And next thing you know, it's been three hours and you still don't have the pictures you need. <laughs> uh, dude, it's a struggle, but like it's the good kind of struggle. Yeah, I mean, it's the struggle that you know you're doing what, what you should be doing. Yeah. All right. So first question. What does history mean to you? So to me, the emphasis has always been on the story part of history. If you flesh it out beyond a long list of dates and events, and if you instead look at it through the lens of the lives of the people who made it happen, it's this never-ending supply of fascinating individuals who are good, bad, messy, inspiring, complicated, and everything in between. Um, if their stories are told in the right way, they can make me laugh, they can make me cry, they can be a tour guide to their world, and they can also teach me something about the world I live in today. Um, so I really look to history to entertain and teach me in equal parts. It's a high bar. History is definitely capable of doing all of that. So what would you say you love the most about it? And then if there's anything that you hate about it? 
you know, I'll start with what, what I hate about it. It feels so frustrating sometimes to, to hear these stories and to know in hindsight how things turned out and to not be able to do anything about it. Now, oh, if so-and-so oh, yeah. had just, you know, made this, this change, things could have, I, I think things could have been so much better or, or whatnot. So that powerlessness is, uh, it can, can be uncomfortable depending on, on what you're learning about. Um, mm-hmm, but in terms of, you know, favorite parts, there's just so many stories um, and so many good stories, so many good people who did really inspiring things um, who can look at and just go, oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like one of those things oh, that, that I love about history also is that like you look at, you know, one event or one person and then you're like, oh, let me learn about that part of it and this part of it. And seven hours later, <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I need to eat dinner. Right. Yeah, the, the, rab- the rabbit hole again. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, you never know where, where you're going to end up. It's really exciting in that way. Um, yeah, especially because it's like history constantly repeats itself. So it's so interesting to see how the same type of event can happen throughout the world, throughout different cultures. And how sometimes they can be handled exactly the same or just like with slight variations. And it's just so interesting to see like where those slight differences are. Oh, I mean, look at the front page of a newspaper today. How mm-hmm. many different historical events does it feel like we're reliving right now? Exactly. Oh, gosh, yeah. So many. And uh, yeah, maybe and uh, definitely not responding in significantly different ways in some cases. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing. I'm like, have you not cracked open a textbook? Did you sleep <laughs> through class? Like, what is happening? <laughs> well, you know, and of course, these days in school, the emphasis is really on STEM. And that's great. Mm. But we also need to make a concerted effort to keep history, to keep civics, to keep these uh, things in our curriculum. Absolutely. And especially tackle the things that we didn't necessarily like to tackle in the past, mm-hmm. like the, the things that the history books skim over. That's what we need to get like right into the depths of. Right. If it makes you uncomfortable, it's very likely we should learn about it so right. we can kind of dissect why. Mm-hmm. And oh, learn from that. Absolutely, and yeah, so many teachers are, are don't have the the freedom to to really do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. So, do you have um, a favorite era or period in, in history, or even a historical event or person? Oh, it changes all the time. <laughs> That's <laughs> the mood, fair. The mood I'm in when I wake up. Um, I, I think one area that absolutely fascinates me, I, I keep coming back to, and it's a little too recent for my blog, but espionage during World War II. There was something about those stories, um, the, the daring do, you have sort of the romance of that, but yeah, the really mm-hmm. brave people, the good versus evil kind of dimension to it. Um, yeah. So yeah, if, if I have my druthers, uh, d- depending on my mood, but uh, World War II espionage is a favorite. Um, so it's just like all the aspects of it, or is there anything in particular that like drew you in? I think that the creativity of you know, some of the, the agents and the operations. Um, well, one of my, my favorite books from the period is Operation Mincemeat by Ben McIntyre. Okay. And just all of the, the planning and the details that went into deceiving the Germans. Uh, it, was, it was a bunch of geniuses who, who pulled it off. Um, but I'm just in, so in awe of, of those kinds of things. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely something we're going to have to look into. Yeah. You've got a new season coming up, maybe. That's true. There's so much history. That's what Renee and I were saying at one point. We were like, our like great, great, great grandkids are going to have to finish off this podcast. <laughs> right. We'll never get around to it. Um, yeah. That's why I try and keep the, the scope large on my blog. There are just so mm-hmm. many stories and I want the flexibility to be able to explore yeah. uh-huh. whatever takes my fancy that day. 
Yeah, absolutely. Dude, absolutely. That's totally the thought process behind ours either. Okay, I mean, you, also. you guys have been all <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been all over the place. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, and we're we're gonna keep traveling. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we've got some fun things in store for season two. X. Oh, I, I'm so excited. But yeah, I, I hear it because it's hard if you sort of like we do go in all these different periods, the research mm-hmm. that is required to do a, a good blog post, yes. a good podcast. There's so uh-huh. much that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, do you ever find yourself getting tripped up? You're like learning, you're, you know, researching something else. And then you're like, oh, wait, you know, you have a thought about something you researched before, but you're like, no, wait, this doesn't go here. Yeah. And then five minutes later, I'll change my mind and second guess myself. And it's like, well, wait, does it go here? Could it go here? Can I make it go here? I think it's a long time to let go and go, okay, now I guess these are separate things. Right. <laughs> um, so do you have any like personal connections or like any cool historical things that have happened in your family? Funny you should ask. At one of my favorite blog posts, um, I actually wrote about my great, great, two two or three greats grandfather. He uh, came to the U.S. when he was a a teenager, and he lied about his age to join the Union Army during the Civil War, and he served as a nurse on a battleship in the South. And we always started growing up. We knew, oh, yeah, your great, great, whatever grandfather lied about his age to, you know, to, to fight for the union. That, that's great. But we never knew more than that. And one day, a couple of years ago, I was you know, just running. I do genealogy. So I was running names through Google. Oh, awesome. And I came across this uh, our digitized uh, book on, on Google Books. And it was some sort of military history. And I read into it, and I found this little paragraph uh, showing that my great grandfather, great grandfather, had been a prisoner of war for a brief time, and Whoa. had been captured by Confederate soldiers, and um, presumably eventually released because he went on to go home and marry and you know ha- have have children, which is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, but that chapter of our family history had just been completely lost. Um, so I did I did a blog oh post goodness. about it a few months ago, and I was really grateful to be able to add that back into the family tree. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. So is genealogy like a hobby or? Oh, yeah, yeah, a hobby. I've been doing it since I was 13, actually. Wow. Um, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to make a great 80-year-old someday. I have all, all these <laughs> hobbies that are way beyond my years. But there you go. Start early. <laughs> that's my philosophy. Don't procrastinate. Um, but, yeah, my mom had been researching her family's genealogy for many years. And uh, so I you know, t- t- uh, watched her do it and wanted to do it myself. And no one had researched my, my dad's family. So I started to do that. And uh, this was just when you know, things were being put online. So it was easier than ever. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, on and off over the years, I've uh, researched. I can mostly get us back to immigration. And then you know, my dad's family comes from a Central and Eastern Europe. So the language barrier becomes an issue. The records become an issue. So someday oh, I'll yeah. take it farther. Um, but I've actually discovered a whole new branch of cousins and reconnected with them. And that has been amazing. Yeah, it um, sounds incredible. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's always it's it's so much fun to sort of see the the people you came from and see where they came from and you know see what their lives were like as best you can. So, for someone who doesn't know where to start searching for their genealogy, what would you recommend? So the census records are a great place to start. Um, if you, you want to sign up for an account on Ancestry.com, they have them there. Um, there's a, a, I believe it's free, a website called FamilySearch.org, and they have uh, census records as well. And that can just help you sort of build the skeleton of a family tree. You can see you know, where people are living, who they're married to, how many children they have. 
And uh, once you have sort of those bare bones, you can look into uh, marriage records, death records, birth records. I can start searching through the newspapers. Newspapers are actually my favorite places to go because um, they just mm. they tell you, you know, stories that don't you know show up in sort of official government documents. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. There was some you have a great ancestor or something. She was held up in a butcher shop at one point. Um, oh my wow. goodness, yeah, that definitely did not show up <laughs> in the census. So yeah, you never know what right. you're going to discover. Oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Did you guys sort of grow up with that family history in the background? Um, um, kind of, but like it. Yeah, ours. So our history, our family history, dates back in uh, the U.S. to the seventies. Um, our family actually didn't start coming over until nineteen seventy. Uh, eight seventy nine. Well, seventy eight seventy nine for like the parents, and then I think you know a grandparent here or there in the you know mid to early or early to mid seventies rather. Wow. Um. Yeah. So, like, at least we know where everybody was. Yeah. So that's easier. But like going back all the way to you know Soviet Russia and pre-Soviet Russia, like Imperial Russia mm. and all of that, that's a lot tougher. Um, like we know, you know, obviously, um, we had we have stories from World War Two, um, when the Nazis came into the Soviet Union and everything, and and we're Jewish, so we have a lot of Holocaust history in the family. Mm. Yeah. But um. Pre that, we really have no idea. No, like, it's, a, it's a little tough. Yeah, it's like um, we think um, someone on our mom's side, because our grandmother's maiden name is Bourdais, Ooh. that like there was like he was a count or something. Yeah, or and did some sort of search that kind of turned up a, apparently a French ancestor who was a count, oh. uh, the Count de Bourdais. Yeah. But I haven't been able to find anything on him, so I don't know. Interesting. Okay, so the genealogy is going to be a little tougher for you guys, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> but you know, how great to, to have those stories. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, we would love to pass down when we have children, so... Absolutely, yeah. yeah my, my grandfather um, fought in, uh, he was in the U.S. Navy during World War II and he fought in the Pacific. Oh, um, but he, oh no. my God. Unfortunately, he had Alzheimer's by the time I came around. Um, oh. So it, it kills me that I never sort of got to ask him, you know, what, what that was like. And um, yeah. we did, though, a number of years ago, we found letters that he sent to his sister and his aunt and uncle while he was away. Oh, that's um, wonderful. Yeah, it was, you know, nothing groundbreaking. And I knew I don't mm-hmm. think be completely honest about you know, what, what he was going through. Um, but yeah. it was it was nice to have something. Yeah, I mean, he might not have said much to, about the actual experience because our our grandfather, paternal grandfather, saw combat during World War II, and he never talks about the combat aspects. Yeah, so I can can imagine the trauma. So you know, he'll say you know how what it was like, I guess, in the camps and this and that, what it was like on the train, but he never talks about actual war. Yeah, war mm. details. Yeah, interesting. What would you say, was there like a spark for your love of history? Was there like a specific thing that you watched or that happened or someone said something or maybe the family genealogy? Definitely genealogy was was a big part of it when I got a little bit older. But I think just early on, it was historical fiction books when I was a kid Mm. that really sucked me in. Um, I I devoured the Scholastic Royal Diary series, the American Girl series, and all all those popular ones. Um, And then in middle school, I just got through these periods where I was obsessed with a particular um, era of history. 
Like I, I vividly remember okay. sitting on the family computer Saturday mornings, just like going down a rabbit hole, learning about Greek mythology. And, and then it was the oh, Tudors and then it was the Wild yes. West. And then it was pirates, which was probably right around when pirates of the Caribbean came out. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's fair. Right, yeah, I wasn't interested in, you know, Johnny Depp as a pirate in those days, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I was all over the place. And I, I do think mm-hmm. it was sort of the strong characters that emerged in each of those periods that really spoke to me and made me want to dive in further. Yeah, I, I fell down the same rabbit hole with the tutors. Um, I think I read like every Henry VIII book my middle school and high school libraries had, oh. and like every single Greek mythology book. Yeah, and then she would come home and tell me about it and give me lessons. You're a patient sister to, to sit through that. I, I, I'm sure I tried with my younger brother, and I don't think it worked out as well. <laughs> Honestly, like it was just the way Adrian would tell me like these stories, like because you know, going to school, whatever. But like, by the time I learned about the Russian Revolution and the French Revolution, I already knew so much more than the textbooks were going to be telling me just because of Adrian. (laughs) And it's like, it's awesome in that sense where it's like Adrian kind of fostered my love for history. And like... Adrian for the win. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I was lucky in that regard. Your brother should, you know, get on the train. I, I I think it's it's in there somewhere. I've still got, got some time to work on him, but you know, you know, I really need that because otherwise, you're sitting in class, you have this big, heavy history textbook in front of you, dates and names, and uh, yeah, you really you need that enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm just curious about like your schooling when you were in history class. Were a bunch of your fellow students like, "Oh, this is really boring. This is just a bunch of facts. Why do I need to care?" You know. Think so. I think people were generally interested, um, especially in high school. I took you know AP, AP U.S. history, AP European mm-hmm. history. Um, so it was, it was self-selecting to to a degree. Um, but I'm trying. Okay. I think yeah, probably in yeah middle middle school, grade school. There's a little bit more of that. It's like why why yeah. are we here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, understandably. Mm-hmm. Though there was this like because I took AP European history in um, in high school, and we watched this documentary about the uh the peasants during the you know pre-revolutionary Russia and then during the revolution and they're taught like the, the, you know they're now obviously in their old age you know i think i can't remember when this documentary was made um sometime in the 80s i think or 90s but um and they're like telling these stories what it was like to live as a peasant and what life was like and how hard it was and what it was like you know during the czar and after the czar and i'm sitting there and i'm like how is no one else crying right and sometimes you need sort of the the visual right in front of you to really bring Mm -hmm. bring it home and yeah how how great that your your school is able to provide that well, because it's so interesting because, I mean, I t- when I was taking AP U.S. history, um, we were learning about World War II from, like, our side of things. Mm. And um, I loved my teacher. He was awesome. But, like, he was showing us um, a video about the Holocaust. He, he was like, he was like, I'm just throwing this in here. He was like, because I can. He was like, I don't care that this is technically, like, the European side of things. And it's like at one point I had to actually leave the room because I was in tears because it was talking about the concentration camps and all of that. And it was like I came back and everyone was just looking at me like, why are you crying? And I'm just like, are you all sociopaths? How are they not crying was the better question. 
Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah, we, we, I had a similar experience. My senior year of high school, we took um, a class all about 20th century global conflicts. So super uplifting, um, naturally. Totally. totally. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, we, we watched um, you know, footage from when soldiers liberated the concentration camps and mm-hmm. uh, you could have heard a pin drop. Everyone was so quiet and just the, the horror oh, that wow. was permeating the room. Um, so yeah, I don't think anyone said a word the rest of the afternoon. Oh my gosh, that's wow, that's powerful. Uh-huh. But yeah, powerful, that's exactly the word for it. Mm-hmm. And it's much needed. Yes. yes. Yeah, especially in today's day and age. Because mm-hmm. it's like, that's like the one thing that sucks. It's like history by definition is something that's already happened. So it's like, it doesn't matter if it happened, you know, a month ago or 50 years ago. It just seems so distant to people. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you, bring it in and like show them something like that like usually it's just kind of humbling where it's kind of like oh wow holy crap that actually happened mm-hmm. and it's like they begin to understand it just a little bit more and it really puts things in perspective yes you know, either from from a you know standpoint of oh you know whatever i'm going through it ain't as bad as that or, you know, on the other side of the coin, oh, you know, people have been through this before. How did they handle it? What did they do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definite lessons in what not to do and what to do. Right. Yes. I think. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't quite made it to perhaps where they need to at this point. But yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so doomed to repeat itself. What, what's that quote? <laughs> I think we've been quoting that like. In every interview about like history <laughs> repeating. <laughs> right, someday we'll get it. Right? Yeah, I'm curious to know, like, you know, a hundred years from now, what does history look like in that textbook oh, of gosh. today? I mean, they're gonna need an entire textbook on 2020 alone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yeah. The we are the world fell apart. Right? Like this morning I was just scrolling through Facebook and I came across an article that was like there are now flying snakes and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> No, after the murder hornets, that's the last thing we need. Right? And apparently it's poisonous and everything. And I'm like, nope, I'm done. Yeah, it couldn't be like a flying garden snake. Oh, no, no, no. That has to be the poison with, with everything. Oh, man. Uh, All right. Well, I'm saying as if I need another reason to stay inside. Right? <laughs> but, but apparently this is in the U.S. Where is this, Renee? I think it's in like Macedonia. Okay. All right. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. But yeah, okay. we're, we're good. All right. Well, <laughs> For now. I'm not going to Macedonia anytime soon. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, do, yeah. I do wonder if there sort of was any other period in history where people felt things were as, as many things were going wrong as we sort of feel like there are right now. Oh, that's a good question. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but. Yeah. I mean, I think, I feel like. And I, I could very well be wrong, but I feel like the most that has happened, it's like, you know, a plague and famine or like famine and something else. Like usually I feel like famine went hand in hand with a lot of things. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But like we have so many spinning wheels in our modern world mm-hmm. yes. that like now everything is just coming apart at the seams. <laughs> and we're so interconnected in a way that, you know, mm-hmm. uh-huh. we weren't in the past. That adds another yeah. layer of complexity. Yes, yep. 100%. All right. So in terms of television and movies, are you a purist or are you able to kind of set aside the history and just enjoy? It's so it's a spectrum. Um, <laughs> it depends on production quality. It depends on the on the writing. I, I lean towards purists. Like I could not watch the Tudors. 
Okay. Uh, that, that that was a little bit much, but I mean, I'm Pirates of the Caribbean. I love I love that franchise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is really good. Outlander is my guilty pleasure right now. Love it. Um, yes, oh, it's so good. Like I don't even care if they mess around with the dates or or whatever a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, I lean towards purist, but I, I will make allowances. Okay. How about you guys? Um, I Adrian's more of a purist than I am. Yeah. So it's like we could be watching something and there have been times when Adrian's legitimately like paused something to be like, look, this did not actually happen. Like, let me just tell you. And like she'll go and tell us. Um whereas it's like I can unless it's really, really bad, but like I can generally set aside the history and then at the very end I can be like, okay, let's let's talk. Mm, gotcha. The the order is important there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, like I, I'm trying to be better and just watch things um, either for the entertainment value, knowing that you know I'm getting into this thing just because they made it to entertain. Um, I do like the Tudors. I will say, although like the first two seasons, I think are phenomenal. Season three was I actually pull my hair out a little bit every time I watch it, <laughs> just because it's like they, you know, they've kind of fixed things a bit in season two historically because people were asking for more historical accuracy, oh. and they delivered. Yeah, and then in season three, they were like, throw it out, because oh. I was like, what's happening? Why is Will Summers the fool? Like an old guy, he shouldn't be old yet. <laughs> I. Like, I'll say that the one thing that's really interesting as someone who's less of a purist is, for me, it also depends on what history is being told. So it's like... If it's Scottish history, forget it. Renee goes crazy. (laughs) I do. So it's like, I don't know if you know the CW show Rain. Oh, I never watched it, but heard of it. Yeah. So... It's good for entertainment. That's about it. Okay. Yeah. So it was like, I saw previews and I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) How dare they? Like, how fucking dare they? And Adrian, she watched it. She was like, just, 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 just try. She was like, it gets better. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, for the longest time, I refused. And it's like, now we were actually watching it. And I was like, okay, I can actually set aside the history. Oh, well, I mean, you have to, because it's like, they took the names and they were like, we made a show and these are the names. And that's like, as far as they went. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, interesting. And like the costumes, a lot yeah. of them look like prom dresses. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, like, Catherine de' Medici's. Yeah, they actually make really nice, uh, like, whatever, 16th century dresses for her. Like, sh- she looks stunning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, well, maybe I'll have to give it a chance. Because, I, yeah, I saw the previews for it and was like, no, I can't. And no way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like it's, it's a worthy endeavor. Yeah, the first season is a bit, um, it's it's harder to get into it as a result of the first season, I'll say, just because like they, they as Renee said, they have the prom dresses and then they have a lot of like modern day music because I think they were like trying to make it uh, relatable and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like a pull, a draw for the younger, I guess, generation to watch it. Mm, yeah. Um, and But in season two, you can kind of tell that they phase out a lot of that um, modern day music mm-hmm. and they actually use the composer more which is fantastic because trevor morris does the score and he did the score for the borgias he did the score for the tutors and i'm like why wouldn't you utilize him oh, wow. over our music today <laughs> yeah. seriously interesting well i wonder once they got the audience hooked then maybe they felt a little more free to do to, to uh, leave off some of the modern touches 
Yeah. Maybe. That that could very well be it. Like, if that was their plan from the beginning, like, good for them. But, like, <laughs> yeah. I had to have Adrian just, like, nattering in my ear, like, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, to actually get me to sit down and watch it. Yeah. Did not have to pull our, uh, or rather try to bribe us for Outlander because that is phenomenal. Oh, my God. So oh, good. my God. I, I mean, mm. the, just like the costumes alone oh, for that sumptuous. and the score yes oh my gosh yes and the acting is phenomenal the mm-hmm. writing is great mm-hmm. yes and just the way they used scotland in the first two seasons oh the as like way. a character itself i was yes. like oh, right i'm on and it's like oh god sorry go ahead. I, i'm so sorry no no <laughs> it's like i just love the fact that they like they're using gallic and it's like it's actual gallic because I know that they have someone behind the scenes who's actually teaching the actors or whatever. And I'm just like, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's really impressive. Are, do they do they get high marks for being historically accurate? In my book, yes. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, they, they portray the Jacobites pretty accurately, I'd say, yeah. and the rising of 45. So they, they did a really good job with that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on uh, season f- season four now, so they're they're in the U.S. and it's like sort okay. of like what you said about using the landscape as a character. I think that they're doing mm-hmm. the same thing, which is really cool to see. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean, when you've got such gorgeous countryside, why wouldn't you? Right. No, it's a perfect show for an attention span as short as mine because we're jumping between periods <laughs> and places, oh, and yeah, yeah. every episode it's it's something new. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the costumes. I just I can't get over the costumes, especially when they were in France. I was like, "Can I? I'm not. I don't wear those dresses, but can I have some? Right? right? Or can I be an extra? Wear it for a day? <laughs> <laughs> I could just float around in the background wearing a dress. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, hire me, please. Um. So, is there anything else that you want to share about either your blog or history in general? Uh, yeah, I know. I, I think you guys have covered everything. Um, but yeah, I do want to just give give you a compliment on on your podcast. I, I really oh, you know, you. like how you know you switch between different people and places, and wherever you go, you really focus on the lives of the individuals who made stuff happen. And I really you know, admire just that you provide just enough context and factual background to pull the listener into the time and place, but then you let the stories uh, speak for themselves. So I'm really excited to see what you do with the next season. Oh, thank thank you you so so much. much. Like, I'm like, I can't, I'm speechless because that was just like one of the most wonderful compliments ever. Thank you. I can't, like, I appreciate that so much. We both do. Yeah. Adrian and I are just over here just doing like all faces of one another. (laughs) (laughs) No, you you deserve it. It's a really wonderful podcast. Thank thank you. you. Yeah, we're also really bad with compliments. We really like, are. Yeah. Oh Someone no. Someone could literally be like, "You have nice hair," and I'll be like, "Thanks, I have a pen." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the same way. I, I don't know how you learn to take compliments. Right. Still, I, I missed out on in school or something. Yeah. Right. The the maybe there was a class like how to take compliments. Someone goes, "You look great," and you go, "Yeah, I do." I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably make that a class at some point. <laughs> right. I feel like that was at like a, that would be at a finishing school. Maybe we should bring those back. Oh gosh. <laughs> it might be modified curriculum, but yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to learn how to sew or do any of the other. What do they call them? Um, it was like wifely. Oh my gosh, there was an actual like phrase for it. Yeah, womanly arts or yes, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, it was like womanly arts. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd, I'd be very happy yeah. if I never had to, you know, sew a button on ever or something. So 
Let's mm-hmm. teach the men how to sew buttons. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, once upon a time, and like depending on the time period or you know where they were located, some of the men did know how to do that. Mm. that that's true. Yeah, I know from my genealogy, several of my ancestors were tailors. There you go. Well, it was a, man, a, a, a career. Yeah, it did not genetically get passed down to me. But <laughs> <laughs> We're like, I'll take it to the dry cleaner. It's fine. Yes, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Yeah, our grandfather um, was also, was a tailor. Oh, mm-hmm. So perfect. yeah, whenever we needed something fixed, we were like, "Grandpa." <laughs> good, good skill to have in a grandparent for sure. Yes, yes. and it's funny because our other grandfather, maternal grandfather, was a cobbler when he oh. lived in the Soviet Union. So like, whenever we try shoes on, he'd be like pinching them <gasps> and like pulling at them, and he's like, "Yes, this is a good material. It's made well." Uh-huh. <laughs> good, good skills to have in grandparents. Right. Yes. <laughs> shopping left. <laughs> oh boy. Thank you so much for volunteering and for coming on to chat with us. Well, thank you so much for having me on, guys. It was honestly, it was our pleasure to have you on. I know we giggle a lot. We do. Oh, pl- oh right. Staying <laughs> over here. So it's a good company. Thanks so much for hanging out with us and Elise on this bonus episode of the Dear World Love History podcast. We can't express how much we appreciate Elise for coming on the podcast to chat with us. Stay tuned for our next bonus episode. We'll be chatting with Juliet Vandermolen, the author of Confess, the untold story of Dorothy Good. Confess is an incredible poetry collection that gives four-year-old Dorothy a voice. It's an emotional and powerful window into the suffering a child endured during the Salem Witch Trials. We hope you guys are staying safe and healthy. Be well, everyone. Historians out.